Welcome to Tent Talk, the podcast with Nancy McCrady, where we talk about life under the big tent of God's presence and the provoking process of discipleship. Here we go. All right, it's great to be here on Tent Talk Together. This is Nancy McCrady. These are readings from The Ultimate Intention by Deverne Fromke. Get a cup of coffee. Take a seat, my friends, at the Father's table and listen carefully. Whether you're driving in your car, you're relaxing at home, you're on vacation, wherever you may be, do not rush through these readings. Let them soak in. Let them take you to the Scripture. And my friends, take on the viewpoint of the Father. The days ahead of great glory and great trouble are going to require those who are seeing everything from his point of view. I love you all. I pray these episodes will be very encouraging to you. I am so glad to be able to share with you this reading from The Ultimate Intention by Deverne Fromke. It is good for us in this day and hour to absolutely make certain that the viewpoint, the perspective, the outlook that we have is the same as the Father's. This is going to affect the way we live, make decisions, influence others. It is going to have everything to do with how we are able to absolutely navigate through the unbelievable days of great glory and great trouble that are ahead. I am reading this because there are moments and times when you realize, oh, you could teach it, you could attempt to do it on your own, and I do as often as I can, but sometimes you say, you know what, I just need to share with people the same thing that impacted me, is when I read these words many years ago in one of the darkest periods of my life, it began to put every thing in right order because finally I was at the proper starting point. So that's actually the title of the chapter that I'm reading to you today from The Ultimate Intention, Deverne Fromke. As we discover what it means to live in His eternal outlook and view the parts as they are related to the whole, we shall see how imperative it is to have the proper starting point. How shall we picture it? The fact that most often our conceptions are wrong because we start at the wrong place. Too often human history has been interpreted from the fall. If this is the starting point, it is natural that all history would have a redemptive coloring. God's purpose is then seen in the light of man's need for redemption. Of course the need for redemption must not be minimized, but neither should it become the overshadowing truth. It is often made to seem that man appeared on the stage of time just so he could be saved. Thus it seems man becomes important in God's purpose only in his fall. Therefore, God's chief work is seen as redemptive. We cringe at the thought, and deep within we are sure there must have been some better purpose. Yet if we start with man and his fall— We seem to be carried along in a conception which makes man and his restoration to be central. Because our controlling conception was born from the wrong starting point, 
man and his fall. We can but end with man and his restoration. But there are others sensing this danger who have started with God's commission to Adam. Quote, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. End quote. Genesis 1.28. From this starting point, all history is interpreted with a governmental or kingdom purpose. Since man was created to rule, he sees everything as colored by this conception. The kingdom becomes the central theme. Then there are those who have realized the need for starting with God instead of with man. So they have started where God starts in Genesis 1.1, with God as creator. From this starting point, the resulting scheme and purpose of God has an architectural or sovereign coloring. But while allowing for a God-centered approach, this doesn't fully answer the purpose in His creation nor describe His sovereignty. We wonder if there is not a more ultimate starting point which will solve the enigma of life and purpose. Suddenly, we recognize why the Apostle Paul always started back in the heart of the Eternal Father before the foundation of the world. Paul always started with God's vital or self-sharing fatherhood. It was not with the Father's varied activities, nor with His wondrous attributes that Paul started. It was with the person who He chiefly is, the Father. Thus, God's vital fatherhood is seen to be the controlling and ultimate factor which determines all his activities. From this ultimate starting point, looking out from his paternal eyes, we see all that the Father purposed as his ultimate intention or eternal goal. Everything takes on full meaning when it has a paternal coloring. We understand why he has done all he has. New light breaks on the future. What would a father desire, purpose, and ultimately intend? The next lesson will consider this eternal outlook from the heart of the father. But before turning to a more detailed consideration of God's original purpose, let us make sure we understand how imperative it is to have an ultimate starting point. If you will open almost any present-day religious book or periodical, you will discover the degree to which modern Christendom is centered in man. Furthermore, God's primary purpose is set forth as redemptive. The overshadowing theme of religious writing is man's fall, his various needs, and God's provision for meeting them. In this way, God is always related to man's benefit, man's blessing, and man's future. Man becomes central, but is this God's intention? This evidence of a man-centered approach and message indicates the desperate cancer which is eating at the heart of Christendom. It is the result of a warped concept developed by blinded man who has, ever since the fall, made all to center around and for himself. To discover the truth of this broad indictment against modern Christendom, the reader is invited to consider not only how God is central in the universe— but how his vital fatherhood is the controlling factor which determines his plan, purpose, and intention. What did the Father intend in the eternal past, had sin never entered the world? It has been this writer's conviction for many years that Paul unveils in the Ephesian letter that which had always been in the mind of the Father. A moral father could not do otherwise than allow moral agency to his created children— 
Thus, the entrance of sin was not in any way necessary, nor was it designed, nor has it altered God's ultimate intention or purpose. The crisis arose because of man's action outside God's purpose. Therefore, we see, as we observe man's failure, that God's ultimate intention, though, has never changed. From eternity, the paternal purpose in the Son. How shall we make it clear that there is an eternal purpose hidden in the Father which has never been involved in time? This is clearly set forth by Paul in Ephesians 1.4. Quote, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world. End quote. Here is something that moves on the eternal level, not at all affected by sin or by time. It is something the Father has already seen in consummation. Furthermore, we must see how the eternal Son is related to this eternal purpose of the Father. We have been so prone to relate Christ to the redemptive activity that we have hardly appreciated how He is related to eternity and the Father's purpose. Perhaps we can move the eternal Christ into a proper frame of reference by asking, if man had never sinned, would all things have been summed up in Christ? Ephesians 1.10 If man had never sinned, was it God's plan for all to be in Christ? If man had never sinned, would Christ have been incarnated into the human family? It seems evident from Paul's writing in Ephesians, as he moves on the eternal level, that the Father intended for his Son to be a means of accomplishment, not because sin entered, but even if sin had never entered. Consider these statements from Ephesians 1. Verse 3, Blessed us in Christ. Verse 4, chosen us in Him before the foundation. Verse 5, predestined unto adoption by Jesus Christ. Verse 6, accepted in the beloved. Verse 10, gathered together all things in Christ. We must cease interpreting God's purpose and plan in the light of the fall. This which we see in Ephesians is what the Father intended to realize in His Son, and it has never been affected by sin, the fall, or time. It was this purpose, which had previously been a mystery, that the Apostle Paul was now unveiling. The Father intended for His Son to have a body to express His life, Himself, in the world now, and before all creation in the ages to come. We can quickly see how this ultimate intention for the Son and His body springs out of God's paternal nature and desire. We can also understand how the Father marked out for Himself a vast family who would share His life, nature, spirit, vision, purpose, and dedication. We can further see how this family purpose was to be accomplished both through and for His eternal Son. We have said that God's line of purpose was to have gone upward without a break. But because man must be allowed opportunity to choose cooperation in God's purpose, we see how man also could choose to go his own way. As a result, God's plan in time necessitated the incorporation of the redemptive plan. But he never intended that this redemptive phase was to overshadow the original eternal purpose. 
As we have said in temporarily spotlighting redemption, we have too often thrown the matrix out of which it emerged back into the shadows until it has almost been overlooked. I like the way Watchman Nee puts it. Quote, We only see history back to the fall. God sees it from the beginning. There was something in God's mind before the fall, and in the ages to come that thing is to be fully realized. God knew all about sin and redemption, yet in His great purpose for the church set forth in Genesis 2, there is no view of sin. It is as though, to speak in finite terms, He leaps in thought right over the whole story of redemption and sees the church in future eternity, having a ministry and a future history which is altogether apart from sin and holy of God. It is the body of Christ in glory, expressing nothing of fallen man, but only that which is the image of the glorified Son of Man. This is the church that has satisfied God's heart and has attained dominion. As we move away from our earthbound viewpoint to the heavenly vantage point of eternity, we shall see the wonders of His eternal purpose encompassing, but far exceeding, the wonders of redemption. For the Father from eternity had a wonderful purpose for Himself, which of course included man. Redemption is not the end, but only a recovery program. It is but a parenthesis incorporated into the main theme. This is the reason for insistence on starting in the Father heart with His desire, purpose, and intention. By doing this, we shall see Christ from a very different point of view. He is not related primarily to man's need, but to the Father's ultimate intention. Since God's plans and purposes are not determined by man's need, let us henceforth see how all things take on new meaning and purpose when they are properly related to Him for His honor, glory, pleasure, and satisfaction. Oh, my friends, what a fantastic thing to finally back up far enough to where we finally can see all things from God's point of view. Oh, my friends, everything in Christ, everything for the Father. Oh, this is going to be good to share these readings with you in the episodes to come. Listen to it. Think upon it. Don't rush through. Give time for the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit to speak to you. Might be good to just have a seat at their table, get you a cup of coffee, sit back, and let them show you the real, true view of things, their ultimate intention. Until next time, love you all. For more information on Nancy, please visit nancymccrady.com or follow her on social media at nbmccrady.com.